George, you're... <laughs> you'll, you'll get a version. They're all there. See the little red, the red arrow pointing to the first slide. So I'm just going to start, go live now. Unable to start live. Error. Hmm. What's going on here? An unknown error occurred. Unable to start streaming. Oh well. I guess we're not streaming again today. <laughs> yes, you can still do the verses. It should all be fine. Nothing at all. Uh, oh, I need my Bible. Ooh. Yes, John. Yes, John. It is on. I don't know why it's not. not. Anyway, I'm preaching for those here, not for those out there. <laughs> if you wanted to hear it, you should have been here. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> I don't mind if people hear it. Yeah, it's not much. Not much I can do about that. I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it'd be perfect. It'd be flawless, like yeah. <laughs> okay. Right, we are back in Ecclesiastes again today. Um, right, so in this part of the series, um, we, we, we saw in the last part, in part one, uh, the futility of life without God and, what, and that all of our work, if not centered around the Lord Jesus Christ, is vanity and vexation of spirit. Um, I hope to continue this journey through Ecclesiastes um, and this, this book um, that's full of wisdom. Um, and we, 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 uh, we learned who the author was, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, of course. And we're going to continue through it uh, and, uh, and try, as limited as I am, to going to try and reveal some truth and wisdom contained within it. Uh, we are referring to the wisest man who ever lived. Above all, we want uh, Christ. Uh, we want to see Christ through it all, and most importantly, present the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, so that others may come to the saving knowledge of Him. As we learnt last time, the name of the book Ecclesiastes um, is a Greek word, translated from the Hebrew word for uh, for preacher, kahal, which means to assemble or uh, assembly leader or preacher. Um, it's where we get our word, the word uh, ecclesia, uh, which, is the, which means a called out assembly, uh, our church. Now today we're going to look at the, the rest of uh, chapter 1. We, we, we went through the first three verses last time, now we're going to go through the rest of it <coughs> today. So if you would stand with me as we, out of respect to the reading of the word of God, um, we're going to read from Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verses 4 through to 18. One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh. 
but the earth abideth forever. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hasteneth to the place where it arose. The wind goeth toward the south, it turneth about unto the, unto the north. It whirleth about continuously, continuously, continually, sorry. And the wind returneth again according to its circuits. All the, the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea full unto the place from whence the rivers come. Thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The, man, the eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath, hath been, it is that which shall be. And, and that which is done, is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be, uh, may be said, See, this is new. It hath been already of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be in any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Jerus Israel and Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek the, and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are under, done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given uh, to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is uh, crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is, is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than all that they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to to know wisdom, and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, do thank you for this, uh, this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this passage. And Lord, it is full of wisdom and it is full of understanding. And Lord, it, is, it has a warning within it. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to heed that warning. And that you would help us to, uh, to, uh, to glean some, uh, some wisdom from this that we might remain... Uh, not make the same mistakes as Solomon did. And Lord, we pray that you would bless now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so, I'm going to expound on these verses uh, this, this morning and try and give you some understanding as to what they mean and how uh, they may apply to us. And we read in the beginning of our passage that Solomon is revealing a natural process uh, of our lives. Uh, he will go on to, to uh, he will go on to natural and planetary processes as well, not only uh, um, uh, natural but also human wisdom as well. But we'll we'll first look at uh, verse four of our uh, uh, text, Ecclesiastes chapter one verse four: One generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Now. He says the earth abideth forever. The word abideth is olam, which is the Hebrew word olam, uh, which means time, age, or indefinite time. It can be, uh, it, it can be uh, past, present, or future. 
So it's an in indefinite time. So what this means is that the earth will continue for an indefinite time. No one knows when the Lord will return and the beginning of the tribulation, which will set the path for the destruction of the earth. Nobody knows the time of his return. Nobody knows the, the, the uh, destruction. So it's interesting to see the, um, the uh, continuity of the Bible here, where it's using a word that is, is set as an indefinite time. It means that nobody knows the time of, of, the, of the end of the earth which is quite an interesting uh, thing to, to realize. Now, the dictionary definition for indefinite is lasting for an unknown or unstated length of time, which is true, and we know this. Uh, and we can, we can, um, we'll find out a bit more about that in a minute. Now, Solomon was very clear in his detailing of natural processes of life, and there was a continuing of life and death of generations passing and of another one taking its place. What I think he was trying to emphasize is that we only have a finite time on this earth in which to live. Um, we have, at best, um, 70 or 80 years. We'll read that in Psalm 90, verse 10 in a moment. Three score and ten. We've heard that before. Some live, some live longer, but we definitely have a finite time. Whatever length of time you are on this earth, there is, there, there is a limit to it. Psalms 90 verse 10 says, The days of our years are three score, and ten, uh, three, score and ten, sorry, three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength they may be four score years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So we, we have a finite time. We only have so much time in which to live and... Uh, how sad it is that some people will live their entire life and know nothing about God and do nothing for Him. And it, is, it is sad to know that that, that is a reality. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. We're going to move on. The sun also ariseth, and the sun goeth down, and hastened to the place where he arose. And the wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually. And the wind returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full, unto the place from whence the rivers come. Thither they return again. Now Solomon is, is, is showing us here the continuation of earthly processes. These things will, are, there's a, uh, he talks about precipitation, you know, the, the water cycle. Uh, he talks about the sun rising and the sun setting. Um, and, and he talks about the, the wind uh, blows in certain directions and certain seasons and certain times of the year, and these are natural processes. He's explaining the continual cycle of life and natural processes. He's, uh, it's, it's amazing to think that Solomon, who lived nearly 3,000 years ago, knew about these, these processes, and he understood them, and he's able to articulate them within writing these books. It's, it's incredible to think that. I mean, we, we think that we're the pinnacle of, of all natural science and, uh, at the moment. And this is somebody who, who knew these things 3,000 years ago. And, uh, and he, he, he certainly was the wisest man who ever lived. There's no doubt about that. And, he, and, he had, and not only that, is that he had time in which to do these things. He had time because he had peace in Israel. There was peace in Israel when he reigned. And he had 
he had unlimited wealth, and then he had also unlimited time, so in which to to study these things, which is, which is which is just uh, it's an amazing thing to consider. Now we we read here. Uh, this is something that I've I've heard. I I'm not convinced either way about it, but I I just wanted you to have a look at this, and and then you can decide. So. We, he also considers the sun rising and the sun setting. Uh, now, we, we, science of today uh, have settled on the uh, heliocentric uh, solar system, meaning that the sun is at the center of the, the, the solar system. And, but there's also some people who, who believed uh, as recently as the 15th or 14th century that the, uh, the earth was at the center of, of a geocentric uh, centric, 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 sorry, model. <clears throat> right. So the sun also riseth and the sun goeth down. So in Malachi uh, uh, chapter four, verse two, uh, and the first part of that, it says, "But unto you that fear my name shall the sun of, of righteousness arise with healing in his wings." So I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing up this verse is is the the, the word arise. Right, the word "arise" uh, is a reminder of the resurrection of Jesus. Right, it's 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 um, it's a spelling of sun, but it's it's it, that's deliberate because it's picturing the the sun rising in 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 the mornings and the sun setting. So Jesus rose from the dead physically; he rose up. So he was not. It's it's a it's a relative movement. It's a movement going up. So that's the, 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 the word arise. And it's the same thing when the sun also ariseth and the sun goeth down. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's moving in a direction. So in the NIV, it, it translates it as S-O-N, the sun of righteous, not righteousness, S-O-N. And now that's the right interpretation, but it's not the right translation. They're interpreting it correctly, but it's not the right translation because they're missing the point. The point is that it's it's a physical rising up, and it's a it's a comparison with the sun rising up. Now, the sun moves to a place. It says, uh, w- "What is moving and what is not? Is the Earth moving or is the sun moving?" Uh, some suggest that the uh, the geocentric model of the solar system is based uh, on these verses. So they they use these verses to to back up their geocentric. Um, idea. Now, whatever the true model is, whatever it is, uh, we all agree that there is a relative movement of the Earth and the Sun. There's no doubt about that. We can we can see that. But um, I think what we'll have to do is wait until we're in glory to to find out what the actual thing, <laughs> what the actual truth is. But I think we might be surprised. Um, I I'm holding out until then. I, I'm 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 happy either way. It doesn't affect me. So. So yeah, that's just a little rabbit trail. I told you there's going to be some. Um, so, uh, so that was the first part. We're looking at natural processes uh, in the first part of our, our, our message. And the next part, point I'd like to look at is human wisdom. So Solomon now changes from a natural process to human wisdom. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 8a. And it says, all things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. All things of nature are full of labor, right? Nothing is freely given. 
in this world. Nothing is freely gained. We all need to labor for those things which are needful. Right? Everybody agrees that that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a truth. Now, all of creation labors continually. And it continually is striving. Every creature on this, on this planet struggles to meet their daily, their daily need. I mean, if you think of uh, predators in the wild, they, they, need to, they struggle. They need to find prey and they need to, to eat. And likewise, the, 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 the animals in the field, they, they need to, to get grass. Sometimes it's a drought and they need to move uh, hundreds of kilometers to find food and water. It's continually striving. It's, 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 it's a struggle. It, it never, it's, a, it's like a never-ending cycle. Um, and you can compare the, the human uh, existence to, to this in terms of the, the, the natural cycles that we, we saw before, which are continual, and they, they're, they're a never-ending cycle. They, they come and they go, and they, they, they rise and they fall. And, and this is the same thing. We, we see that in, in this as well where all things are full of labor and it's a continual struggle and we, we're going every day and it, it, it never seems to end. Now I found it interesting to think that, uh, that, the, uh, that uh, while on earth all the, the earthly things we have uh, require labor and work, but our Heavenly Father offers salvation freely. So everything on this world requires work manual labor and nothing is free but heavenly things are freely given you can see the contrast between the world and, 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 and the godly things worldly things and godly things is completely different they're you know, diametrically opposed you don't, there, there's no similarities in there and I found that interesting and we, look, we, we, we know this verse quite well as, as Romans 6.23 for the wage of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and we know, and and we, we we also reference Ephesians two eight and nine. For by grace are you saved through faith; it is not uh, not and that not of yourselves; it is uh, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should go, uh, any man should boast. It's, see, these salvation is a gift, and it's freely given. Whereas life on this earth and the, the material things that we need are not freely given. Now we learn from verse three of our text. Last, uh, the last uh, um, message that I preached was that uh, the word labor, what it means, and in the first part of uh, of the series was uh, Ecclesiastes chapter one verse three. So what profit is a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? The Hebrew word for labor, I'll remind you, is as as amal. Um, uh, which means uh, hard worker or laborer. Uh, we are reminded of the labor of man with Adam, the first man, and all his labor. And I'll just recap on some of the things that we, we mentioned last time. After all, the, the struggle and labor of his life, uh, he is presented with a bleak end to his life. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast uh, eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till, the, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, 
and unto dust thou, thou uh, shalt thou re uh, return. Now, we are also told um, all our labor, labor and struggle <coughs> of this life is common to man. Everyone experiences it. it is, uh, no one is spared. Everyone experiences this. It's under the sun, which meaning on earth, right? And this refers to the commonness of life. Everybody experiences these things that Adam experienced. Now we know that the, the ground is no longer cursed as it was in Adam's time, but still things will come up and spring up. Uh, he's, we're using a, a, an analogy of, of a farmer here who grows crops and then weeds come up and they strangle the, the crop. But it doesn't matter which industry you're in, thorns and thistles come in our lives and challenges will come um, and but we know that uh, if if our labor and our struggles are, are centered uh, with uh, the Lord as a frame of reference we know that there is a, an end to this that is uh, which is uh, which is positive there's a positive end to it it's not uh, um, Nothing is in vain, is, is what I'm trying to get to. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1, verses 8b, and that's all the way to 9. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. There is no satisfaction found in life's labor and struggle. We are never full. We're never, if, if we try and f uh, find satisfaction and fullness in, in, in worldly things, we'll always return unsatisfied and we'll always return on, uh, um, uh, lacking in something. Uh, there's, there's, there's never a completeness in it. Now Solomon goes on to explain that not only is there labor, but there, that there is, uh, there is no new thing under the sun. Nothing new is created. That wasn't, um, that wasn't already created by God. Right? So there was nothing new under the sun that it wasn't already created by God. Now, true, we can fashion things, uh, something out of raw materials. Um, but the matter and the, the material was already created. Uh, we don't do any creating ourselves. We, we, we use what is already created uh, and we simply transform it. Uh, we, we're not. We, we don't. We can't create uh, a tree and and chop it down and and use the wood. We uh, we don't create that. It, it's it's something that was already made, um, and we just we we just use it. Um, and Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one verse ten says, uh, "Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new?" He's he's, he's asking us the question. It hath or it had been already of old time, which was before us. See, here's this this uh, this word old time. Um, again, uh, it's it's this, the same word that we saw that uh, means abideth. It's the same word olam, uh, which is is used is used again here. Old time, old timer. <laughs> um, there is no new thing. All has been of old time. There, 
there's that word again we just we just uh, mentioned uh, olam it's it's an indefinite time ecclesiastes uh, chapter 1 verse 11 there is no remembrance of former things neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are come to those uh, that shall come after so there's a perpetual generation after generation and natural cycles continue perpetually uh, or for an indefinite time. So these, these things are going to keep, keep happening and it's, there's going to be generation after generation. Uh, and there's a sobering statement that after a number of generations that uh, what seems important to us fades in the memories of the generations that follow we may be we may be forgotten on this earth uh, by those that follow us, but do you know who who will never forget us, or, or who whose memory never fades, or who is the same through the ages? It's our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He never changes. Hebrews thirteen eight says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. He never changes. You go through generation after generation. He's the same. Not only that, but once you put your faith and trust in the Lord, uh, Lord, He will never leave you or forsake you. Hebrews thirteen five says, "Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for He hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He will never leave thee nor forsake thee." Now, now the Lord remembered the promise to Noah. See, He never forgets. He remembered the, the promise to Noah in, in Genesis chapter nine verse fifteen. And I will remember my, my covenant, that, uh, which is uh, between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall no more be, uh, become a flood to destroy all flesh. We've never seen a worldwide flood again. He's kept his promise. He's remembered his promise. The Lord remembered the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou sh- shalt be a blessing. He's, he's created a great nation out of Israel. He's kept his promise. He's not forgotten. And he will not forget you. <coughs> Lastly, the, the last point uh, I'd like to, to go through is the vanity of knowledge. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12. I, the preacher, was, was let's emphasize the word was, king over Israel in Jerusalem. Now Solomon presents us with a personal statement here. He says, I, the preacher, was king of Israel and Jerusalem. The preacher is speaking to the, assemb- to the assembly of Jews. And he's, he's paying particular, uh, or he's, he's paying special uh, attention to the youth, to the young, right? And he, what he says, he must have, um, he must have had an expectation uh, f- uh, for this to be read in the future the way he's written it. So he states that he was king. Right? So he's, 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 he's presenting this to a, to a generation, and it can be any generation, from one to the next. Right? So this is, it's interesting that he's writing it in this, this particular way, because he, he didn't have many children. Although he had a large harem, he didn't have very many children. I think, I think uh, to memory, I think he only had three children. Well, we know his two sons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And I think he had a daughter. But I, 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 I'm not 100% sure. I'll have to check on that. 
But he had a thousand wives and he only had three children. God doesn't, doesn't bless these things. God didn't intend him to have a thousand wives. He was only supposed to have one. And I think that was, that was, it was uh, reflected in the number of children he had. I don't think God blessed it because, but that's just speculation. <clears throat> now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 13, it says, I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. The sore travail hath God given unto the sons of man to be exercised therewith. Now, Solomon gave his heart to seek wisdom. This was his whole life commitment. And he had the wherewithal to do it. He had the wherewithal to study and to observe things that are done under the heaven. We can't do this because we have other things that draw us uh, uh, or, or compete for our attention. Um, we, we, you know, we have uh, we have jobs or we have other interests that will, will compete for our attention, um, and that's it's no uh, it's no judgment. It's just. It's a, it's a reality. It's, um, we don't have the opportunity that, that Solomon, Solomon had, but praise God that he did have the opportunity so that he could then warn us about these things. Now, we have to earn, obviously we have to earn money as, uh, and, and we need to have a job and this takes up a good proportion of our time. I'd say that's probably the major proportion of our time is, is working. Um, you know, uh, but Solomon had, had immense wealth. And he had peace all around. And uh, he could commit fully to seeking after wisdom. He could do it. He was the wisest and wealthiest man who ever lived. Uh, and he has a message for us. You, you know that time, he said, he, now I'm, I'm going to, to, to read this as if uh, speaking from Solomon. He says, he says, remember that time that I was involved in terrible sin and followed after gods and so on. You know? This book is, is his final message right, uh, to, to the youth. And he says, now that I'm back, right, I, I want to tell you that that time, remember that time that I was, I was in sin and, and in folly and following after other gods? He says, don't, don't do that. Don't go after that. He's, he's warning the youth and he's warning Israel. He's warning us. He says, I've seen it. I've been there. So you, so you don't have to, to follow you know, I've made that mistake. I've followed after other gods, and I've followed after uh, wisdom and folly, and 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 it all comes back to vexation of spirit, and, and it's all vanity. It's all emptiness, right? And he's he's warning Israel. He's warning us. He says, "Don't go down that route." So now, in um, in the next uh, uh, verses, we're going to see how. Uh, in, in verse 13 um, is the first time that God is mentioned in, 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 the, in Ecclesiastes. And, and it's, it's an important um, point. Um, God is mentioned first here. God appears 41 times in this book. But this is the first time. So he's giving a perspective from God's point of view. <clears throat> so he says that uh, this sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. So we're going to find out about this, the uh, the perspective of what how how Saul's uh, sorry how Solomon uh, is 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 speaking here and how he's trying to 
give a perspective uh, from God's point of view. And Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14 says, I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Right? So, he is giving, uh, he's seeing these things, and most people can't, won't be able to, because he had the time in which to look at these things. So he's seen this from, a, from outside, like as if, as if God were looking outside. He's not saying that he is, he is God. He's just saying he's had the opportunity in which to, to observe these things, right? So Solomon uh, had, been, uh, had seen all that man uh, has done, including what he had done, and, and found it uh, all to be vanity and vexation of spirit, right, without God. So now we won't f- for sake of time uh, read the first Kings chapter f- chapters five and six, but what this uh, what this uh, these chapters detail is the building of the temple. It's probably the greatest structure that was ever built, right? Now we can say that because it was built by the wisest and the most wealthiest man who ever lived, right? And he had the best materials, and he had the best craftsmen, and he had the best instruction, right? So we can say without doubt this building was probably, or was, the greatest uh, construction that has ever been. And he, and he also built a house, um, right? And, and he, you know what... He, you know, he once the the temple was built, he also built himself a house, but the temple um, was uh, destroyed because the the work became vanity. The temple was destroyed because the the work became vanity when the Jews did not fear the Lord. Right, when they went away, when God left the temple, because the, the temple was a place in which God abided. Right, um, and that's where He was. But when the when the Jews rejected God and turned away, the the building became vanity, became emptiness, worthless. Can you imagine the gold and the craftsmanship and the building of that beautiful building, the best building that had ever been created, became worthless without God. Can you see the the picture of that? We can work uh, our whole lives building something. Uh, our own temple, as it were, our home, or uh, or whatever it is that you, you you're building. But if it's without God, it is worthless. It it is it is it is emptiness. Like we we, we learned uh, about that word emptiness and what it means it means that it is no of no point. It has no no worth. Now you know. It's 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 incredible to think that um, uh, and how we perceive these things and because um, we, we we wouldn't think that something like that that had so much worth and materially would be would be of nothing uh, but but spiritually speaking it was without God now man okay so so we're going on to then verse fifteen of our text. Um, that which is crooked cannot be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. Man cannot make straight that which is crooked. And what is crooked? Well, uh, what is crooked is, is this fallen world. That's what's crooked. Man cannot make straight this, this world. We, we can't. Because we're, we're, 
we're just as fallen as the world. We're just as sinful as the world. We 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 cannot make straight the, this this crooked world. And this began with Adam. And man cannot correct the fallen world, but God can. God can make it straight. 2 Peter 3 verse 13 Nevertheless we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now we look forward to the new heaven and earth where there will be no, no, no sin and, there will be a, and, we'll, um, and we'll be in our new body. Right? Perfected like Christ, but not, like, but not God. But we'll be perfected like Christ. So that's what we look forward to. We know that God can make it straight, and He will make it straight. And He's going to destroy this this uh, this world. He's going to rebuild, and we'll have a new earth and a new heaven, and that will be made straight, without sin, perfect. In verse sixteen, Ecclesiastes chapter one, verse sixteen. I communed with mine own heart, saying, "Lo, I am come to great estate, and have gotten more wisdom than." All they that have been before me in Jerusalem, yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. Now, he's talking and thinking to himself, and he's reflecting on the great wisdom and knowledge that he has received. And not only that, he's, he's also considering that he has an accountability to the wisdom that he has gained. In 1 Kings uh, chapter 10, verse 23, so King Solomon exceeding, exceeded all the kings of the earth for riches and for wisdom. There's no doubt that he, he exceeded. And he has and he exercised uh, and the exercise of his wisdom in 1 Kings 3 chapter 25 to 28 and the king said divide the living child into two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king, for her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, O my lord, give her the living child, in no wise slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor nor thine, but divide it. And the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king. For they saw the wisdom of God was was in him uh, to do judgment. So he knew that the wisdom he had, he had accountability. And that with that accountability, had he exercised that wisdom. And he exercised it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 17. I, have, I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. Now he, he went after wisdom and madness and folly. He realized both were vexation of spirit. He experienced both wisdom and folly in the same manner. Now, we can assume that Solomon uh, was 21 uh, when he started to reign, uh, when David was 70, uh, because David had uh, Solomon at age 49. Uh, therefore, Solomon died at 61, right? So he reigned because he reigned for 40 years. Um, we can work that out. So we know that he was uh, 21 when he started to reign because David died at 70. Um, and Solomon, because uh, David had Solomon at age 49. So if you obviously take 49 from 70, you get 21. 
And therefore, uh, and also Solomon died at 61 because he, he reigned for 40 years. So he didn't get to 70. He didn't get to 80. Yeah, he, didn't, he didn't get that far. So, and it's because of his sin. It's because of the folly that he, he went after. And there is judgment. And it was this, uh, it was because there's consequences to to um, going after these things, um, both physical and spiritual. It's not there's they're both there's consequences to these 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 decisions. Um, and so the, therefore we can we can probably um, assume that he was probably in his fifties when he did um, go a bit off off the rails, as it were. So he's probably in his fifties. Now, he made a conscious decision uh, to give his heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So folly is, is foolishness. So he, 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 he willingly did it. And he, he realized that the world is full of vanity without God. And he also realized that the pursuit of wisdom was vexation of spirit. So he, these are the things that he'd realized after going after these things. But then he brought himself back and then he wrote this to then warn us not to go down that route because he's already been down there. In verse 18 it says, For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. So he tells us that these things, what the consequences of these things are. Now, that verse 18 confirms uh, wisdom that he mentions in verse 13. It says, because uh, Ecclesiastes 1, chapter 1, verse 13, I gave my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This is sort of veil that God hath given to the sons of man to be exercised there, uh, therewith. He, um, he realizes the, uh, the, the consequences to these things, and he's trying to warn us about these things. Now, how well did Israel heed this warning? Remember, this was written... And he was a preacher, and he probably preached this very message in front of the congregation in Israel to the Jews. So they knew all these things. They knew, they knew Solomon's uh, sin. They knew his wisdom. <clears throat> and they knew his warning. They, they knew these things. Now, how well did Israel heed this warning? Well, shortly after Jeroboam and Rehoboam took over, uh, the kingdom, uh, they, they took over the kingdom and Jeroboam d- devised a whole new religion and Rehoboam uh, got caught up in the same thing, right? So, and the northern kingdom fell to the Assyrians in 722 BC because they didn't fear God. Um, and they, uh, they picked up on uh, Solomon's sins, but they didn't pick up on his wisdom. And the southern kingdom fell to the Babylonians in, in uh, 586 BC for the same thing. They didn't fear God. Now we can shake our heads at the Jews saying, but, you know, but, but what about us? Are we not the same? Now, we, we, can, we sometimes say, um, oh, we can sometimes shake our head at them and, and say, well, why on earth did they do that? But is this world any different? They have the word of God and they choose not to read it, to listen to it, or to 
even acknowledge it. And so there will be judgment. It says, are the, youth, <coughs> are the youth going to listen to the wisdom of Solomon? Or are they going to say, uh, I'm going to go another way? Well, some, some say, well, if I win the lottery, I'll find enjoyment. Right? But the lottery doesn't, doesn't do anything. It just destroys people. Yeah? It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't help them. So let's, let's heed the warning by, uh, by Solomon. Let us, let's not continue in the cycles of nature and human wisdom and seek after worldly wisdom and possessions, but rather seek after God and have Him be your frame of reference for life. And this begins with a relationship with God. And by first getting saved, realizing that we're a sinner and that there is an, eternal, uh, there's an eternity after death and there is a penalty for sin and the second death. Is there is a reality in that. Believe that Jesus died for your sins and was buried and rose again and put your faith and trust in him alone to forgive you and to take you to heaven when you die. Do that and you'll have a frame of reference. You'll have the wisdom that you need, godly wisdom, not worldly wisdom, and you will succeed. There is, there is no there's no doubt. Uh, that's, that's the biblical uh, frame of reference. That's the reference that we need. Not the worldly, but the godly. Let's pray. The Heavenly Father, do thank you once again for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Solomon's warning. Lord, pray that you'd help us to heed that warning, that we wouldn't go after other gods, but Lord, that we would uh, worship you and that we would put our faith and trust in your Son, the Lord Jesus. And Lord, we, we thank you for salvation. We thank you um, for, for the opportunity that we have to read your, your word and to understand it. And I pray that it's been a blessing this, this, this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.